Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. And I thought today, Mary Kay, we could get into some storylines as we're in this in-between stage of the off-season program, training camp, the season. Uh, I figured we could just kind of throw out some of the storylines that, that we're watching. It can be training camp related. It can be season related. It can be whatever whatever we want. Uh, we, we can take this wherever we want to go. So we'll just kind of go back and forth and throw these out. So why don't you just get us started? Uh, with, what's one storyline that, that you're really watching for this year? Well, I think it's probably the obvious one. Is Deshaun Watson the Deshaun Watson of 2020? Is he the three-time Pro Bowler that the Browns went out and spent $230 million on and traded three first-round picks for? Uh, Is he that guy? The national media hasn't bought into that. Uh, They're not seeing it yet. They're not believing it. I still think he can be that guy. Um, But I think this is the big debate. Who is Deshaun Watson? What is Deshaun Watson? And will he be transformed in this new offense and, you know, with this upgraded receiving core? Yeah, so I was reading something today uh, with the Nuggets winning the championship yesterday, their first title. Um, I think it was NFL.com. Maybe it was somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Put up a list of NFL teams who could be this year's, like this version of the Nuggets, right? Go win win their first title. Um, And there was one tier of, you know, you're talking teams like the Bills, things like that, like Super Bowl titles. Uh, But then the Browns were listed in this second tier. And the whole Mm -hmm. gist of it was, this is a really talented roster. And if Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson, then they belong in this discussion. If not then they probably won't be that team. I mean, it really is kind of all about Deshaun. It really is. But what's so funny to me, Dan, is that people think that Deshaun Watson just forgot how to play quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, I don't under, I just don't really understand that. I do uh, realize that he had a 700 day layoff, but that's over now. He's played six games since then. So that's in the rear view mirror, in my opinion. I think he, you know, I think he still has to maybe get back to his exact 2020 or Pro Bowl form, but I don't think he's all of a sudden forgotten how to play the game. Uh, I think he was still acclimating to a new scheme. The coaches were, you know, figuring out how to call the game for him. 
He did not have the supporting cast that he needed to have last year. He didn't really have a deep ball threat. Uh, there were so many things that just, you know, weren't what they needed to be. Uh, you know, he did have Amari Cooper and he did have Ton- Donovan Peoples-Jones. But for the most part, there it was Amari and a bunch of kind of younger guys. Uh, so I think now he's got more of what he needs. I still think it would have helped to, to add D-Hop. I, you know, I still think that, you know, for many reasons, they should have at least brought him in and talked to him, taken a look at him. Uh, but I think that that Deshaun Watson has the potential uh, to be his Pro Bowl self this season. I, You know, and I do think a part of it is those six games were so bad for the most part um, that I think a lot of people got freaked out by those. But even if he's not like 2020 Deshaun Watson, I can guarantee you he's not 2022 Deshaun Watson either. I mean, you're talking about 58% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, five interceptions in those six games. Um, You know, his yards per attempt was all the way down to 6.5, which is the lowest total in his career. QBR was 38.3, the lowest total in his career. He got sacked 20 times in those six games. Obviously, you know, he's a guy that's been sacked a lot. Sometimes it's on his O-line, sometimes it's on him. But, you know, he's always been a guy that's taken a lot of sacks. But still, even if it's not the, hey, lead the league in passing yards, Deshaun Watson, there's just no way that it's as bad as it was last year. No, and people do not want to buy in. People do not want to... Uh, you know, utter the words that, hey, Deshaun Watson might still be a good quarterback. People are so, so many in the national media are so still completely put off by his off the field transgressions that they don't want to talk about him in those terms. And that's that uh, I think the graphic that you're talking about came from something that we just talked about on um, Sports for Clee. And I think it was on NFL Network and it was Kyle Brandt. And the way he talked about the Cleveland Browns, it was about, you know, they're taboo to talk about. And we might have to start talking about them and we might have to break through that taboo. And I think the taboo comes from Deshaun Watson. I think people don't want to go there. And, you know, I mean, that's not for us to judge, but I think that's what's happening out there. Um, that, that people just aren't ready to look at this Cleveland Browns football team as a bona fide contender because, you know, they, they don't, they aren't ready to go there yet with, with Deshaun Watson. As I've said many times before, I mean, we're here, we're covering him. So we don't have the luxury that the nationals do of taking their time, getting comfortable with this whole thing. We have to cover this football team now and, and rank it and grade it objectively, right? I mean, we have to say, okay, here's how many games we think they're going to win. Here's what we think the offense is going to do. Here, how, here's how we think Deshaun is going to be. They can be out there saying, we're not ready to talk break through that taboo, taboo and talk about the Cleveland Browns yet. Some people can do that. We don't have that. You know, people don't have to like this, but the reality of it is the Browns and Watson and the NFL have moved on. Like that, this is moving forward now because, you know, he, he served his suspension. He paid his fine. He underwent the counseling. Uh, he settled all but two of the lawsuits. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that if that you have to hear this and be like, oh, yeah, of course, we're just moving forward. Forget anything ever happened or, you know, was alleged to happen. 
But that's kind of the reality of where things are right now. And I think us being out there in the spring for OTAs and mini camp, and we heard Deshaun talk a couple of times, you just feel it. Like a lot of that stuff is, I don't want to say it's in the past, because like I said, there's still two outstanding civil suits, but it does just feel like the Browns in the NFL, like it, we've, we've moved past it. Like the, the punishment has been doled out and served. And now, I mean, it really has just been about football and what Deshaun can do on the field for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I think so. And look, he's, it's not the first athlete. Of course, it's the first athlete with this many accusations, but it's not the first athlete who has been involved in an off the field transgression and has gone on to great success and also great adoration by fans. Okay. I mean, we're talking about Kobe Bryant, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Michael Vitt. So, you know, this is not the first time a player has, you know, done something wrong and, and had a a successful career after that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult thing to cover. It's a difficult thing to handle for all of us. Um, and some fans may never come back. And I know that because I talk to some of the fans that tell me they will never come back. Uh, but for the most part, as you said, the NFL has moved on. They got $5 million out of him that went to a good cause. Um, they got an 11 game suspension. Uh, he got a lot of counseling, a lot of treatment says he's healthy. That's good for everyone involved. And, um, and for the most part, it, it is something that is, uh, from a football standpoint, in the past. Okay, uh, let's see. The storyline I'm going to pick here is I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, and I think this is the other really big one. I mean, there's a couple really big ones, but I think this is probably, the, like, if that's 1A, this is 1B, and that's what Jim Schwartz is going to do with this defensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm focusing mostly on the defensive line here, uh, there's other areas of the defense as well, but obviously Schwartz is here. He is a defensive line guru. That's always been like the bread and butter of his defenses. And they went out and invested a ton in it. Obviously Miles Garrett already in the fold, but they go and sign Dalvin Tomlinson to a big contract. They trade for Zadarius Smith. They sign Obo Garonquo to a, to a pretty decent contract, um, you know, considering kind of where he's come from. Uh, kind of gambling on that half year of production in Houston, which which was a really good half year of production. Uh, they've really, you know, I've said this before, you don't hire Jim Schwartz and give him a Honda Civic. You know, if he's your race car driver, you don't give him a Honda Civic to drive. You have to give him a race car. And they've certainly done that. And I want to see what Jim Schwartz can do with this defensive line. Like we've, we've discussed Miles Garrett, you know, that we think there's still another level there for Miles. And I want to see if Jim Schwartz can find that other level along with Zedarius and these other guys. Like I want to see if Jim Schwartz can unlock that next level of Miles Garrett, which is actually a really scary thing for opposing quarterbacks to think about. It really is. And I'll tell you, I, you know, the, one of the best things that happened for me in advance of covering Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns was the, to have the opportunity to cover the Super Bowl this year or cover Super Bowl week and to be able to go to the Philadelphia availability on, on that last day and talk to all of those defenders, most of most of the defensive linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles who had played 
for Jim Schwartz and just to see how they genuinely lit up talking about him. I mean, they loved playing for him. And why is that? Because I said this, I think, on the radio this morning, because his philosophy is see quarterback, get quarterback. That's basically it. And I just think that 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 is a major reason why they should be able to play good defense early on, because it's not as complicated. They're not going to have as many rules or concepts flowing through their brains. Uh, They just need to go attack. And that's what defensive linemen love to do. I don't know exactly what that means for the linebackers yet. That's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Because when you hear Jason Tarver talk, he talks about JOK needing to kind of know where to be at the right time and, you know, knowing to sort of how to read the field and the situation. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. But as far as the defensive linemen are concerned, it's like they will know the assignment. They will know it. And if Miles is getting a blow and not playing as many snaps as he usually does, he's going to be fresh to be sacking the quarterback in the fourth quarter and making those game-changing plays. Because that's one thing about Miles is that we've seen him sometimes drop off a little bit later in a game, and we've seen him tail off sometimes a little bit later in a season. With the way these guys are doing it this year, that shouldn't happen. He should be able to stay fresh. Not only are they going to be playing five down linemen with all kinds of guys up there rushing, but they're going to be rotating eight in at any in any given game. So he's not going to have to play 89% of the snaps. You know, he's going to be able to stay fresh and be in there when it matters the most. And, uh, you know, he could end up really challenging for NFL Defensive Player of the Year or breaking his sack record or finishing with the uh, NFL lead in sacks this year. So I'll, I'll read a couple quotes. Um, when I talked to um, Oboe during OTAs, uh, I asked him about Jim Schwartz, obviously, and his impression of the system. And what, here's a couple things he said. He said, uh, it's a really good system. It's really allowing us to express ourselves, all of our traits, all of our athletic traits. Uh, and then a little later, when I asked him specifically about Jim Schwartz, he said, man, he's an evil genius. He knows how to put us in position to make a lot of plays. And as a D lineman, everybody wants the handcuffs off and the seatbelt off. Just be able to play fast. And that kind of goes with what you were saying, you know, talking to Eagles D lineman and other D linemen that have played for him is uh, he's he makes this real easy. Like, like you said, go get the quarterback. And I'm just trying to figure out like, so Miles Garrett has upped his sack total every season this year, a plateaued. Um, he had 16 and 21 and 16 this year, but of course this year uh, he had the car accident and, and that certainly hindered him with the shoulder for a little while. Um, I mean, could miles Garrett get 22 sacks? Could he get 23 sacks? I mean, is that, is that possible in Jim Schwartz's system? It's possible. It's definitely possible. But I also think that with the rotation um, that, you know, you might have three or four double digit sackers instead of somebody that has 22 necessarily. You know, you might get a bunch of guys with, you know, 12, 13, 14. So I know I think it's possible. And if the Browns really want to help Miles Garrett reach his potential, Uh, then they can find ways to make that happen. I mean, you can put him over the weak link all you want and and get him those 
favorable matchups and and get him uh, a boatload of sacks. And maybe they'll do that. But I think the number one objective for them is going to be to win the football game. And so that's going to be the primary thing. And if that means, you know, he ends up with 22 sacks, so be it. Uh, but I think they're they're going to do whatever they can to disrupt that quarterback and, um, you know, and, and get get the pressure, get the, you know, wreak that havoc and get those sacks. And however it shakes out is how it will. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What other storylines do you have? All right. So, you know, I'm going to jump back over to the offensive side of the ball. And the next one that I have here is... Kevin Stefanski with the play calling. Okay. I mean, this has just been a big thing for the past couple of years. Of course, he was uh, AP NFL coach of the year in his first season in 2020, took the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs, broke that long, long string, uh, did wonderful things with, with Baker Mayfield. Um, But he's taken a lot of heat, a lot of criticism over the last couple of years. So now it's, you know, okay, what have you got? Show everybody what you have now, because now you don't have any limitations. You don't have arm limitations. You don't have shoulder limitations on the part of your quarterback. Um, You know, you don't have mobility limitations or arm strength limitations whatsoever. Your quarterback can do everything and do it well. Um, And then you also have the supporting cast to go along with that. You've got the offensive line to block for that. You've got the running game to complement that. So what offensive coordinator would not absolutely love, uh, you know, to run this offense and call these games. And so now it's up to Kevin Stefanski to show exactly what he can do. And, you know, in some ways, I think it's a lot of pressure. He's got to get Deshaun Watson back to where he was, at least almost where he was in 2020 and before that. And all eyes are going to be on him. And if it doesn't happen, a lot of people are going to think it's his fault. And what's he doing wrong? So I think I think there is a certain amount of pressure on him. And I think he's, you know, I think he's going to have to pull out all the stops and show that you know, that he is one of the up and coming young play callers and offensive coordinator, well, offensive minds in the NFL. Yeah, this is this is one of the big ones. Um, Kevin as the play caller, Kevin as the head coach, everything's everything's there. Um, and you have to make sure that that he's the right guy for, for that. And, I, you know, look in the NFL in the offseason, there's too much time for us to sit around and think about things. And, and I've wondered, like. You know, Kevin's offense is very like on time, do things on time. You know, the ball goes here. Um, And I feel like that's one of the adjustments he's got to make is letting, if you're going to let Deshaun be Deshaun, things aren't always going to happen on time. Um, He's, he's going to run around. He's going to try and make plays. You got to incorporate scramble drills and, 
you know, his time to throw isn't always, he's not going to have the fastest time to throw in the league, but that's okay because that's what Deshaun does. And that's Deshaun at his best. So, you know, he can sit in the pocket and work the pocket and and deliver the football, but you also want to make sure that you're not, that you're not neutering him in there and making him just run this offense where everything has to be like on time, on point, you know, there has to be that room for creativity. And I think that's one of Kevin's challenges. Yeah, I think so too, but I think that he's up to that challenge. I think so because he's had a lot of different offensive influences in his career and the the style of offense that he will be calling for Deshaun Watson, what he hasn't worked with directly, he has the resources for. I mean, all he's had to do was, uh, you know, put his head together with, I'm sure, a number of people. I mean, he's probably talked to Dabo Sweeney. He's, you know, that was the Clemson coach, obviously, who coached Deshaun Watson. Um, he may have talked to Bill O'Brien. I'm sure he's talked to Bill O'Brien. Um, I, I really think that, he, you know, Quincy Avery, who, who is Deshaun Watson's personal quarterbacks coach, I, you know, he's probably talked to him. I just think he's done a whole lot to try to make sure that he is well-versed in all things Deshaun. And he also hired Bill Musgrave. And I think that's important. Bill comes from the college ranks and he is right there um, on, on the cutting edge of what has been going on in the college game, which is trickling up into the NFL. So, you know, I think Kevin is completely open to whatever Deshaun does best. Let's do that. I mean, I mean, he's not a short sighted coach by any stretch of the imagination. Like he knows that the goal is to win the Super Bowl and you do whatever it takes to get there. And he's not going to say, oh, well, that's not really what I like to do. He doesn't care about that. I mean, it doesn't matter what he likes. He knows he has to do what Deshaun does well if he's going to coax the best out of his quarterback. And he's coaxed some really good stuff out of some quarterbacks in his career, right? Case Keenum, Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield, you know, I mean, this is not someone who has just done a horrible job with great quarterbacks. I mean, this is going to be different uh, because he's got uh, a whole different skill set that he's dealing with. One of the things that's going to be happening this season, and I think it's great, is that they're going to put a lot on Deshaun's plate. They're going to let him have a lot of authority at the line of scrimmage. They're going to probably run a lot of no huddle. They'll do a lot of different up-tempo stuff. They'll let him change plays at the line of scrimmage without, you know, checking in with them. I mean, like they'll, they'll let him do what he needs to do. And uh, if he sees something in a game that they, that they need to make an adjustment about, he'll be part of those in game adjustments. And, um, and I think that's really important to let Deshaun run more of the show, but, you know, let's see what everybody's got here and see how it goes. The only, you know, challenging part is that, you know, you the, you got to hit the ground running. Like you have to be ready to go with it. You know, week one, you don't have any time. You don't have any margin for error. But, you know, I, I think Kevin is up to the task of Deshaun Watson. And, and one of the other things, too, that they'll they'll add in is that quarterback run game as well, mm-hmm. which is something that they just haven't been able to do as much of, you know, Baker, not real mobile, Jacoby, not real mobile. Uh, but Deshaun Watson is a whole different level of quarterback on the move and you know you're going to let him do some of that on his own but some of it's going to be design stuff like 
you know, might look like what they do in Philadelphia or, or someplace else. I, I think we're going to see some interesting quarterback run things. We saw little glimpses of it in the spring, but you can't really simulate that that much in the spring. Uh, but I, I, I wonder what we're going to see in training camp as far as some read option and, and different things like that, because that's another element that, that the Browns have where, you know, as a defense, you got to count for, you've got to account for 11 guys. Uh, and, you know, you can't just say, well, the quarterback's going to be back there, go get him. That, that's just not how it is with Deshaun. So that's another challenge that the Browns can present to a defense. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really good challenge to present. And that is why, most teams in the NFL now are trending towards dual threat quarterbacks. But now uh, there's so much more film on how to handle these quarterbacks, these dual threat guys. Uh, you know, teams have had to learn by trial and error how to keep these guys healthy, uh, you know, how much to run them, how much to, you know, try to protect them. Uh, you know, now all Kevin Stefanski has to do is flip on some Jalen Hurts tape for a while and get some ideas about, you know, what did Shane Steichen do with him? They're good friends, by the way. So, you know, he'll have some, uh, you know, things to look at there. I mean, obviously, you can look at Patrick, you can look at Lamar Jackson, you can look at Josh Allen. I mean, there's so much tape to look at now, as opposed to even, you know, five years ago before you know, five, six years ago before Patrick was around, right? I mean, this is this is the QB of the present is this type of, of quarterback. And so it's not like some some big mystery that's locked up in a vault somewhere. The tape is all out there for all to see. The important thing is that Deshaun's going to have to have some rules. He's going to have to have some rules for getting rid of the ball um, and not getting himself hurt. He cannot take as many sacks as he has taken in the past. Even last season, as you mentioned, he took like 20 sacks in those six starts. That's too much. I mean, that's way too much. Part of it is those guys didn't know how to block for him yet. They didn't have that all figured out. And part of it was he did not look out there and see enough open targets. So that's changed, okay? He's going to have a downfield threat in Marquis Goodwin. He's going to have... Um, and all over the field threat in Elijah Moore. He's got a little bit of everything and he's going to have places to go with the ball. And, um, you know, it's going to be a lot easier for him now to find a play and he's going to have to find it. And he, and he's going to have to make a concerted effort not to get sacked because Deshaun Watson is only, is only going to be good if he's on the field. He's not going to be good if he's hurt. So I think that's going to be a key issue. As you were talking about that too, I just thought, you know, the quarterback run game and all the dual threat quarterbacks, you know, now there's a whole, you know, there's just a whole stable of defensive coordinators who are spending, you know, hundreds of hours just trying to figure out how to slow these guys down. Um, and, and they will, that's what happens mm -hmm. in the NFL when, when these guys are getting paid and they're, they're basically spending their lives trying to figure out how to slow this stuff down. It, it, that's why the NFL is so cyclical because it's just offense has come up with something and defensive coordinators uh, figure out a way to slow it down. So then it's back to something else. Um, so it's, it's always kind of changing. Now my storyline, I'm going to go to another coordinator and that's going to be Bubba Ventrone special teams. Uh, what, how much better are the special teams going to be under Bubba Ventrone? So it's 
a mixture of little things like, you know, you're not having some of the mistakes you had last year, like not recovering an onside kick against the Jets and, uh, you know, some other things like that. Is he going to get the return game figured out? And most importantly, is he going to get Cade York straightened out? Uh, it seems like he has a good grasp of what he needs to do with Cade York. He talked about, you know, maybe Cade York is overthinking things a little bit. Uh, I feel I feel like we, maybe we shouldn't talk about Cade York if Ashley's not on the podcast. She's off this mm-hmm. week, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, but that's that's the big one is, you know, on top of everything else, can he clean up special teams, but also can he get Cade York kicking the way the Browns expect him to kick uh, when they picked him in the fourth round? Yeah, this is a huge storyline, Dan. It's a really good one. Um, and it, it's it's very, very significant and meaningful because special teams has been a liability for the Cleveland Browns for the past several years. And this year, they need it to be an asset. They absolutely need it to be an asset in the return game, uh, in the kicking games. I mean, it just, it just has to be. And they do need to restore... Uh, Cade York's cockiness. You know, he was cocky when he first showed up. He needs to get his cockiness back. Um, And he does need to stop uh, thinking so much and just go out and do what he's trained to do and what he knows how to do. And I I think that that Bubba is the right man for the job. He knows the pressures. He knows exactly what it takes. Look, he knows Phil Dawson. If he needs some help, he can call on Phil to come and, uh, you know, come in and, and help rectify the situation a little bit if need be like he'll find a way um Bubba is that good at his job he always puts forth amazing special teams um but yes the rehabilitation of Cade York is imperative because you know there are going to be plenty of times where they're going to have to kick a field goal or they're going to have to kick that extra point and there will be plenty more touchdown passes this year um again I've said this several times before They had only 19 last year, tied for last in the NFL. Uh, So there probably will be fewer field goals, more touchdown passes. But still, you need a good kicker, and you need a reliable kicker. And you need somebody that's going to go out and kick the game-winning field goal in overtime. And that's what Cade is going to have to do this year. Yeah, that's the big thing, is you've got to trust Cade to go out there in Kansas City or Buffalo or even at First Energy Stadium, wherever it is, in January and kick a game-winning kick. Cincinnati, um, you've got to trust putting him out there for a 45-yarder or a 55-yarder with zero on the clock. You know, can he make that kick? And, And right now, I don't know that you're there with him yet. Obviously, he had that big kick against Carolina. Uh, I almost feel like maybe that was the worst thing that could have happened to him. It just, there was already so much hype around him and so much excitement. And then he goes out and makes that kick. And it's like people practically built a statue of him. Uh, It was almost just all downhill from, it it was only downhill from there. So, um, you know, this is a good opportunity for him now to kind of rally and figure it out. And then also just find something in the return game. You know, they found a little something in Jerome Ford returning kicks last year, but they need to get something going in that return game and make it so that, you know, when the team punts the ball, you've got a guy back there and you've got a, you know, you've got a group of special teamers that, you know, that, that thing could go to the house at, at any time. They just haven't had that sort of threat in the return game. I'm probably going back to Travis Benjamin. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, Jakeem Grant is coming off a ruptured Achilles and he's not young anymore either. Uh, So, you you know, you have to hope that he can go out and get that job done. But if he can't, 
then you have to find somebody else who can do it. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely been no pun intended an Achilles heel for the Browns. They have to fix that. And, you know, you need some electric returns. You need somebody to take it to the house and uh, they've got to find it. So we will come back and do some more storylines tomorrow. This is good. Um, let's let's try and stretch this out as long as we can here on the yep. Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that. You get a newsletter, uh, texting, and you get access to those stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns that are behind the paywall. And of course, check out our YouTube, Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. You search that, you'll find us on YouTube. Uh, for Mary Kay, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.